So our first reading is Psalm 21. O Lord, the King rejoices in your strength. How great is his joy in the victories you give. You have granted him the desire of his heart and have not withheld the request of his lips. You welcomed him with rich blessings and placed a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked you for life and you gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. Through the victories you gave, his glory is great and you have bestowed on him splendor and majesty. Surely you have granted him eternal blessings and made him glad with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord. Through the unfailing love of the Most High, he will not be shaken. Your hands will lay hold on all your enemies. Your right hand will seize your foes. At the time of your appearing, you will make them like a fiery furnace. In his wrath, the Lord will swallow them up and his fire will consume them. You will destroy their descendants from the earth, their posterity from mankind. Though they plot evil against you and devise wicked schemes, they cannot succeed. For you will make them turn their backs when you aim at them with drawn bow. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength, and we will sing and praise your might. The second reading is... Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 23. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking for the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all the rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in, in every way. Thank you so much, Sam and Anna. And uh, Sam, Sam and Karen. Anna and Karen, thank you very much indeed for, for reading. That's absolutely terrific. And we're going back to Psalm 21. Um, as we finish 2020 and go into the year 2021, we're going to look at Psalm 21 in preparation for 2021. This is a series we've been doing uh, for a little while now. And by my calculations, we can keep it going for another 129 years, uh, which has to be uh, long-term planning. Um, I'm not sure I'll be around to finish the series. But we'll, uh, but we'll see. Good. Do so turn up Psalm 21 then. And uh, as we look forward to the year ahead, I'm going to pray. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Father God, we've just, um, just been remembering 
in that last song that you bring strength to the weak and that you are our refuge and our strength and our shelter and our hiding place. And, and so I pray, Father God, I hear as we stand right at the end of the year that however weak, however broken, however lonely we feel, that you would help us to find shelter in your strength this afternoon. And please, Father, can we grasp hold of your mighty power and know your great strength, even when we feel a bit shaky ourselves. And we ask all these things in your precious name. Amen. Um, well, you know, it, it, it's sometimes good to know that you're strong. I don't know whether you have that experience. I, I only occasionally have that experience, but it's always quite good to sort of feel quite strong. Um, so um, at the Christmas dinner, when someone, you know, they say, oh, I can't quite open the, uh, the cranberry sauce. Um, could you have a go, Jeremy? And you think, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give that a shot. And then uh, they've probably loosened it already, but um, you, you take the credit. You know, you're the one. And um, that feels quite good. I mean, perhaps it's just me. Um, or, you know, someone's moving house and, and you pick up a box and it's full of books. Those boxes full of books are always the heaviest, aren't they? And, um, and they say, are you sure you're going to be right with that? And you say, um, yeah, I think I'll be okay. And then you say, yeah, it's quite painful at the time, but you don't let it show. And, um, and, and it, feels, it feels quite good. Or um, a couple of, couple of summers ago, um, I, uh, I sort of realized my strength. I was just sort of... Um, it was just sort of lazy afternoon, I was feeling a bit tired. I just sort of grabbed the cuffs of my shirt, sort of stretched like this, and I, and I ripped off one of the arms of my shirt. I just sort of ripped it clean off. I mean, you know, that is strength. And I, it was a shame because I had to buy myself another shirt. You kind of think, yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've still got it. Um, that's, um, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to feel strong and to know that. But it is not as good as knowing that God is strong. That feels better. And that's according to this part of the Bible. That's according to Psalm 21. It is good to know that God is strong. If you take away nothing else from this afternoon, remember that, how good it is to celebrate God's strength. And, and the king, David, who's writing this, you'll see in, um, in Psalm 21, the king is totally convinced of this. So um, Psalm 21, verse 1, you see, written by David, the king rejoices in your strength, Lord. That's how it begins. He's, um, he wants to celebrate God's strength. And then um, he's still celebrating come the end. So um, um, if you look down to verse 13, um, King David finishes, be exalted in your strength, Lord. Still the king speaking, same word for strength. Be exalted in your strength, Lord. And then he brings everyone else in right at the end, uh, if you notice that. So right at the end of verse 13, he's just been speaking as one man to his God. And then right at the end, it suddenly becomes plural. We. And I, you imagine him sort of looking around the court. I don't know. I imagine him on his throne. Uh, and he's, uh, he's been praising, exalting God for his strength. And then he looks around and says, we're going to do this. He's doing what kings should do, which is lead the people. We will sing and praise your might. And that means however we're feeling as I've seen, I'm sure there'll be a whole mixture of feelings. Maybe you're feeling a bit post-Christmas, maybe you're feeling a bit disappointed, 
uh, about council plans, maybe you're just so wary of looking after the kids. I don't know um, what it is you're experiencing. But it means that however we're feeling today, we can still celebrate God's strength. We can celebrate that. I mean, it's noticeable, isn't it? We, we don't always do that. I mean, we, we often uh, rejoice and, 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 um, uh, and celebrate God's mercy and his grace and his love and his compassion, his kindness, forgiveness and patience. We don't always, um, we don't always rejoice in God's strength. We don't always allow that to give us a, a sense of, of joy. But that's what this psalm's calling us to do. And as we approach a new year, it's going to start in just a few days' time. This is something which the Bible wants us to be completely convinced of. In, in fact, this psalm is, is calling us to celebrate God's strength alongside Jesus. Now, let, let me explain that. The, the book of Psalms opens... With, with a couple of, of, of key songs, Psalms 1 and 2, are sort of key songs in, in the book of Psalms. They introduce the whole thing. And, and, and Psalm 1 talks about what, what it means to be blessed. How, how can you be blessed? What does it mean to be a blessed person? It means that you delight in the law of the Lord. You, you, you read God's word. And then where will that lead you, Psalm 2, to, to God's Messiah King? The word for Messiah is actually used in, in Psalm 2. And there's this picture of a perfect king who reigns under God, with absolute authority. And, and that really sets in train the whole of the book of Psalms, the longest book in the Bible. Uh, but it says that if you want to be blessed, you'll examine God's word to find God's king, his Messiah. And, and really that, that sits in train the whole of the book. And so the, the book becomes a sort of search for, for the Psalm 2 king. And I was still in the early part of it, and, and David is a candidate. Until you reach Psalm 51, you realize uh, he can't do it. And so as, as God's people sing the Psalms for the generation after, after generation, they're longing for that king to come, you see. Uh, they're looking for him, they're looking for an obedient king and, and, a, and a suffering king and an all-conquering king. So that in God's purposes, when Jesus comes, they won't miss him, the descendant of David. And so the, the point is that, that these Psalms, all, all 150 of them, sort of fit in Jesus' mouth better than anyone else's. He's, he's the king who sings these songs. It's his songbook, and, and, and we sort of join in. He's the one who's perfectly qualified to sing them. The lyrics are, are sort of written for him, and as he sings them, so we get to join in with a sort of choir. Let me show you that particularly from Psalm 21. Uh, we're going to get stuck into it and it's going to show us how to celebrate God's strength as we go forwards into 2021, how to celebrate God's strength. And this is the first reason. Celebrate God's strength because he gave the king life. He gave life to the king. Okay, and that's in uh, verses 1 to 7 of Psalm 21. Celebrate God's strength because he gave the king life. So let me, um, let me remind you of what verses 1 and 2 say. Have a look down with me at that, verses 1 and 2. This is God's king speaking about, about himself. He's calling himself the king. The God's king is speaking. This is what he says. The king rejoices in your strength, Lord. 
how great is his joy in the victories you give. You have granted him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. In other words, he's saying um, that, that God has given this king everything that he really wanted. Literally, it's very, very emphatic. It says the longings of his heart, that's a very, very deep and sort of persuasive, directional feeling. The longings of his heart you have given him. Um, if, if you look back at the previous psalm, Psalm 20, verse 4, then uh, God's people say, may he give you, may the Lord give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. And, and, and God's done that. He's done that. Um, there's a terrible film uh, that came out in 2000. You don't have to admit to having seen it. Uh, what Women Want with Mel Gibson. Have you seen that film? I wouldn't, I really wouldn't recommend it. Um, but um, yeah, a thumbs up from, from Joe. Well, at least an omission coming from the back row. Um, but, but Mel Gibson can sort of, um, uh, it's not a great premise, but he, he, he drops his iron in the bath or something, uh, gets a terrible electric shock, and then suddenly he can, he can read the minds of the women with whom he works, okay? And through that, he discovers what, supposedly, what women really want. We don't have to drop our iron in the bath to realize what God's king wants, okay? We can catch hold of the desires, the deepest desires of God's king, and ultimately, God's king, Jesus Christ. Are you interested in that? Well, we're told what it is in verse 4, so have a look down at that. Verse 4, it says, He asked you for life, and you gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. Verse 4. So, so what, does, what does God's king most want? Sounds like a strange answer. He wants to be given life. Uh, yeah, again, it's very dated. You know, song, he wants to live forever. God's king does. Okay, that's his desire. That's what he wants. And, and, and so you can imagine Jesus Christ following that, that greatest of victories uh, that he ever won, a victory over death. That's no small victory, is it? No one else has achieved it. Um, following that victory over death. Now, Jesus found a way out of the grave. He's conquered death itself. He's the king over mortality. Now, now the coffin is not a box without an exit. Now that, now that God the Father has given him what he most desires, you know, as he's been raised from the dead, that king is given great, great honor. Did you notice that? King is given great, great honor. Verse 3. You came to greet him. You know, so God the Father makes the first move. Verse 3, you came to greet him with rich blessings and placed a crown of pure gold on his head. Or, or notice verse 5, it's given great honour, God's king, in verse 5. Through the victories you gave, his glory is great. You have bestowed on him splendour and majesty. Surely you've granted him unending blessings and made him glad with the joy of your presence. 
That's the greatest prize of all, isn't it? That's that, that is the centerpiece of heaven. That's what we long for, is to be with God. Why has God the Father done all this for his, for his king? Verse 7, have a look at that. Verse 7. Because the king trusted him. Because he knew the unfailing love. That's the sort of the grace, the loving kindness it's called in the older versions of the Bible. He knew that the grace of God the Father, the, the Most High, that's the name that talks about God as our sovereign protector. And he knew that because of the loving kindness of his sovereign protector, he could not be shaken. Now, it, it's true, isn't it, that, that these words are <clears throat> spoken by David. He's, he's experienced some victory, we take it. Um, and yet they just seem to go way beyond any victory that David could have experienced. If, if these words are true in the mouth of David, how much more true are they in the, in the mouth of Jesus? So the, the lyrics are meant for him, and he sings them, and, and, and we're meant to join in. Now can, can you imagine Jesus Christ going to the cross for you? That's what he did. He went to the cross with your name on his mind. He goes to the cross trusting God the Father. And then a beautiful closeness of relationship within the Trinity. He, he went trusting the Father. Jeremy said in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he was going to the cross, not my will, but your will be done. Or, or as, as he's dying on the cross, he says, into your hands I commit my spirit. Talking, he, trusts, he trusts the Father. Or uh, it says in 1 Peter, as Jesus dies, it says, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body, on the cross and so he, he goes to the cross slain for our sins and, and and his heart's desire the request of his lips is that he would be as, as Romans puts it raised for our justification he loves us that much he wants he wants to be raised to demonstrate that that we've been completely put right with God if that's something that we want and and so God the Father if, if we can put it like this, comes to greet him, comes to greet Jesus, and, and, and raises him from the dead, and restores him to his presence at, at his right hand in heaven. And so we, we saw in, in Philippians, if you were part of a small group this year, we, we saw that um, God exalted Jesus to the highest place, and bestowed on him, the same, the same words as in verse 5, bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Gave him glory, honour, crown, everything. Let me ask you a question. It might sound like a bit of a strange one. Um, how much do you think Jesus rejoices in the strength that raised him from the grave? How much do you think? I'd say a fair amount, wouldn't you? Verse 1, the king rejoices in your strength, Lord. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know where you are this afternoon. I, I don't know everyone here by, by any stretch. But maybe, um, maybe you're still looking in at Christianity from the outside. Um, and, you, and, you, and you haven't yet reached the point where you can say, yes, this is me. I'm a Christian. 
and, and maybe you're, you're sort of interested, and um, maybe you can see that Christians have that sort of joy somewhere inside of them that, um, that can't be taken away by lockdowns or, or loss or isolation or job insecurity, but you haven't yet found that point of access into Christianity for yourself. Can I just say, begin with the resurrection. Such a great place to begin. The Bible points in that direction. Begin with the resurrection. That moment in history where Jesus walks out of the grave, fully witnessed in history, a, a real event. Because that is the moment of maximum joy. When Jesus walks out of the grave for you and for me, that is the moment. The moment where God's strength is, is, is clearly demonstrated for you and, and, and for me to see in real time. He raises someone straight from the dead. Once you've got the resurrection straight, then you start seeing God's strength everywhere. And just in case you're interested, uh, we mention this quite a lot, but there's a course called Christianity Explored, and it's starting in just a few Sundays' time in January, uh, Sunday morning, just for an hour on Zoom. It's not a massive commitment. But it's, uh, we'll, we're going to spend a week looking at the facts of the resurrection. And if you're interested in looking into that, that is the place to begin. Um, just send me an email, jeremy at transusington.org, and uh, I'd be absolutely delighted to reserve your space. Well, or maybe you'd already call yourself a Christian. Um, maybe that's you. But you don't always feel the joy that you're supposed to. Yeah? I guess all of us are a bit like that. We don't always feel the joy that we're supposed to. I don't know if you ever get that. And then um, uh, Satan sort of seizes on that and, uh, and, and, and tells us that we can't be a real Christian, that we must be some sort of hi hypocrite. And then we just feel our Christian confidence collapse you know, in on itself because we sort of look in here and we can't find the joy that we know we should be feeling and, and we just don't. Well, the Bible would say you're, never meant, you're, you're not meant to generate your own joy. You're meant to catch it from Jesus. Yeah, you know, joy is just so infectious sometimes. And, and so, you know, Jesus leads us into 2021, and he's the one who's singing. He's, he's rejoicing in heaven, a, 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 an incredible strength that raised him from the grave. And he's singing about it. And he wants us to sing along. Yeah? And however weakly and sort of croakily, I don't know what your singing voice is like. Um, I rarely sing in public, unless I really, really have to. However weakly and croakily, we sing along. We can, we can start to sing, you see. We don't want to get it completely right. But we catch the joy from Jesus at the strength that he sees in his Father. Uh, we need to move on. Um, but there's, there's a second reason that God's King rejoices in God's strength, and that comes in verses 8 to 12a. Verses 8 to 12a. And we're calling this Rejoice in the Lord's Strength because the Lord will come to claim victory. He, he's coming to claim victory. 
Have a look down at verse 8. Verse 8 of, of uh, Psalm 21. Yet you'll notice that the, the language changes from what God has done in the past to, um, like, you know, you have bestowed on him, verse 5, past tense, to what God is going to do, um, verse 8, your hand will lay hold of. There's a sort of future reason to celebrate the Lord's strength as well, you see. And it says that the, that the Lord will appear for battle. The Lord will appear for battle. That's the promise of verses 8 and 9. Can you see that? Verse 8 and 9, your hand, the king says to, to the Lord, your hand will lay hold of all your enemies. Your right hand will seize your foes. When you appear for battle, you will burn them up as in a blazing furnace. It's, it, uh, it's when, you see, it's not if. <laughs> it's when. Um, when. When God returns. Um, I was reading, reading an article uh, just a couple of days ago uh, which was saying that we are standing at quite an interesting point in world history. I don't know if you agree with this. Um, according to the BBC website, in 2028, China's economy will be larger than America's. And um, according to this article, uh, whereas the 19th century might have been the, the century of uh, the British Empire, 20th century might have been the century of uh, American dominance, uh, that uh, the 22nd century, have I got that right? Uh, 21st century will be the um, uh, will be the century of China's dominance. That the central power sort of moving eastwards. We're living at an interesting point in history, uh, but in the end, all civilizations come to an end. Every single one. Uh, one Christian writer, G.K. Chesterton, was writing more than 100 years ago, in 1904. And this is, this is what he wrote. He said, many clever people like you have trusted to civilization. Many clever Babylonians, many clever Egyptians, many clever men at the end of Rome. Can you tell me, in a world that is full of the failures of civilization, what there is particularly immortal about yours. Human civilizations come and go. But um, as G.K. Chesterton knew, he was a Christian guy, one day they will all fall on a single day. Every single one, when, when God comes back, no Cobra committee will mount a successful defense of their position. Every godless power position will be swallowed up. Uh, we need to be aware of that. But if we're Christians, we can rejoice in that because it means that evil has an expiry date. Evil has an expiry date. And that's an incredible comfort. Verse 11, talking about people who treat God as their enemy. Though they plot evil against you and devise wicked schemes, they cannot succeed. They cannot succeed. Evil will come to a full stop. Um, here's, here's a true fact. Here you go, saying uh, you might find interesting. Um, I found this out uh, uh, probably a year or so ago. I think it was something that Justin told me. 
Here's a, uh, here's a bottle of water. I'm uh, just an ordinary bottle of water. It has an expiry date on it. It says at the top, 12-2021. Okay, December 2021. Um, I heard it on good authority uh, that that's not, that's not the expiry date for the water. The water will stay good for uh, pretty much forever. That's the expiry date for the bottle. <laughs> it's just it. And in the same way, evil will expire, but God's goodness and God's people will keep going forever. And Jesus, God's King, rejoices in that. He rejoices in that. As, as will we, if we're weary of living in a broken world, or if, or if we know what it's like to be persecuted, like some guys in China we're going to be praying for in a minute, or if we're tired of battling against sin, in our own lives, as I am sometimes. If, uh, if the past year is a year where you've been treated really badly, if, if, if you've struggled against illness, or physical pain, or if you've suffered loss. And, and that's what we're going to take forwards into the year to come, if, if, if we want to, if we're taking God seriously, which is the pain will come to an end. Evil has an expiry date. And God's going to return. Maybe this year, yeah? When God appears for battle, we can rejoice that he will claim victory on our behalf. Everything bad, it says the Lord of the Rings, will start to come undone. That's the, the past, verses 1 to 7. That's the future in verses 8 to 12a. Jesus rejoices in those things, and he wants us to join him. But one, one more thing, just briefly, uh, before we finish, and that's that that's the God's strength is very, very much at work in our present experience. Okay, his, his strength is very much at work in our present experience. Do you notice the way the psalm ends? Just have a look at the very last sentence of the psalm, the last half a sentence. But we said, do you remember, the king looks around the court and uh, what was singular becomes plural. It began, uh, the king rejoices and it ends, we will sing. We will sing and praise your might. And uh, we have so much, so much more to rejoice about, even than the people in David's court. And they must have felt that they landed on their feet. Because we know that God's Strength is, is fully at work in our present experience if we're a Christian. That same strength is at work in you. Just, just as we finish, if you've got the Bible on your phone or whatever, turn forwards to Ephesians 1. John's already taken us there, and we've heard it read. But we can't go there often enough, I don't think. Ephesians 1. Verse 18. So we've said that God's strength raised Jesus from the dead. We're to rejoice in that. And we've said that God's strength will be seen in the future. We're to rejoice in that as well. But as Christians, we are to know the same strength in our everyday experience. At least that's what Paul prays for in Ephesians 1.18. This is a prayer, say, with us in 2021, if there ever was one. Ephesians 1.18. I, I pray, says Paul, that the eyes of your heart 
may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And his, get this, his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he, God, exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. The same strength, Paul prays, the same strength that raised Jesus from the dead will be a strength that we know from day to day because it's a work in us. You know, before we finish, we're going to... We're going to listen to these words. These, these are the words, actually, that uh, Dora and I sang on our wedding day. And um, I need to know them as much now as I need to know them 25 years ago. We go in faith, our own great weakness feeling, and needing more each day, your grace to know. Strong in your strength, Safe in your keeping tender, we trust in you and in your name we go. Trust in God's strength. You know, I heard, um, I heard a story recently about someone who was leaving church and they said to the minister, oh, vicar, it is so hard to believe. And uh, the vicar just said, in whom? The God of the Bible is the God of strength. We can rejoice in that. You know, I, I honestly don't know um, what 2021 is going to bring for us. For some of us, there, there might be a lot of suffering ahead. I don't, I don't know, illness, unemployment, loneliness might be part of our experience. But if we go forwards with Jesus leading the singing and, 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 and we know the lyrics, the king asked for life, and you gave it to him. God raised Jesus from the dead. Though they plot evil against you and devise wicked schemes, they cannot succeed. Evil has a, a sell-by date, an expiry date. Pray, says Paul, that you may know the incomparably great power, the same as the mighty strength that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And so we sing with God's King, be exalted in your strength, O Lord. We will sing and praise your might.